So, well, never to be returned. Um, welcome, welcome. So yeah, we start we start a five week lesson plan in Isaiah, and so I saw it coming up in the lesson plan, and I emailed the other instructors and said, hey, would you guys be okay if we swap out so I can teach all five weeks? I'd love to do it. I'd love to um, to really take make sure we have the continuity and take a look at it. But but to be honest, brothers and sisters, I I have uh, have a confession to make. Until this year, I had never read the book of Isaiah. Yeah, in fact, I. I, you probably have had this a little bit to yourselves. You're like, well, I, I know it's, you know, great are the words of Isaiah, and it's the most quoted, and it's super fantastic. But I'd also had people say, well, it's, it's so easy to understand. And I was like, well, I guess. And, and they never ever said anything that they understood. It was like, well, it's just easy to understand if you're spiritual like me. And they'd never hear anything. So I was like, well, that's not very helpful. I've also thought, well, I'm kind of a Bible geek. So I probably understand more than they do, right? So I was a little snotty about it. Um, so I decided this year to take the opportunity to say, well, I'm just going to uh, read it. So um, so I have. So I've read, uh, oh, I don't know, five or six books. I took the BYU Continuing Education course and, um, and I've read it, I don't know, quite a few times. So, and guess what? It's easier than I thought. But I have determined something. The book of Isaiah is like cilantro. You love it or you hate it. <laughs> so I was like, well. Hopefully we can find a new metaphor for us and we can see if it's something else. Now, I've also done a couple things I've never done before. In all the years I've taught this class, have I had a handout? No. no. I have handouts. So I have prepared a handout for you. So if you take one, there's there are two sides. So you just need one piece each. Share one if you run out, you know, law of consecration and all that. So, um, but you can take some notes or you can just, hopefully it'll help it out. There's a lot of new material going on. So I wanted to make sure that you have something to refer back to um, on the on the notes. But if it's going to be distracting to you, I'll take them away. So be <laughs> good. Okay. So again, welcome, welcome to my family. Thanks for coming. If you have questions or comments, um, please jump in. It will probably move a little bit fast. Now, a little bit of oversight. For the next five weeks, we will break them up in five weeks. So today we'll do just pretty much chapter one. Next week we'll do chapter four and six. Then we'll go probably um, through the middle, the teens. Then we'll jump to 40, and then we'll do this uh, sermon songs at the end. So we'll, we will follow the lesson plan, more or less, that's in the, your, uh, your manual. Although I won't follow the outline of the lesson plan. I'll just follow the same scriptures, if that's okay. So, so there you go. Okay, so everybody have their distracting handouts. Um, let's, let's jump in. What I, what I wanted to do is... As I started to jump into the book of Isaiah, I found that one of the ways that I'd read it, it was always so confusing. Am I the only one that finds it confusing, right? Okay, good, no. Um, they always just read it in Nephi. So you're in first Nephi, you're in second Nephi, there's even a little bit in third Nephi, and it's out of order. So it's kind of like reading a famous story like Cinderella, and then they just tell you about the shoe later. And we're all supposed to remember the story of the shoe in Cinderella. That's kind of what Isaiah is like in the Book of Mormon. It's a story that's really well known, but they're just referring to sections of it. And in fact, it's, it's out of order. So if you don't know the story of Cinderella, then just reading about it turning into a pumpkin or the shoe on the stairs. I don't even know the story of Cinderella enough to quote it, but if you did, you'd be like, well, I don't know, something about a shoe. Um, that's kind of how we pick it up. And that's how I picked it up. But it was really helpful to me to take a look at the Book of Isaiah as it's written in Isaiah. So I'm gonna share that with you, ready? There's a little diagram on the top of your page. But it's basically, has a complex literary structure, and it's kind of in two halves. 
the first half is 1 through 39. Oops, 39. And the second is really 40 through 66. It's a long, long, long book, right? First half. And then in, even in these, there's, there's kind of these sections that are going to break off, okay? So, and then there's kind of this link that goes through. And this link is going to, we'll talk about each of the three sections. Okay, so if you kind of say, which section am I in? It's helpful to understand the book. So the first one is all judgment. It's like dun dun dun, and everything's burning, and everything's bad, and it's all going to be very bad. And it just keeps going on and on, right? So this first half is kind of this half of judgment. The second half is hope. And it's a hope for redemption that even though all this judgment is coming, that there's redemption at the end of the day. Okay? Now this link, there's kind of this link, and this link tends to be these prophecies of a remnant, and sometimes even multiple remnants that are gonna be saved. So let's take a pause for a second and say, all right, you're the, uh, you're the story of Nephi and you're a group of people that's left Jerusalem. Which of the three pieces, the judgment, the hope, or the redemption, do you think you would really see yourself in? This is where you can say things. Anything? If you're the Nephite, if you're Nephi, any, any part of this that resonates with you? You're a group that's been separated out, that's separate and a remnant. <laughs> oh, a remnant. Yeah, in fact, Nephi goes crazy for these sections. Right? He's like, hey, that's us, that's us, that's us. So when you get back through your Book of Mormon studies, you'll see that he's going to pull out this remnant and this redemption section the most. And he, can, he stays in a little bit in here, but he's like, yeah, that's already passed. So when you go to your Book of Mormon study of Isaiah, you're going to find these two sides are the party mostly quotes. Okay? Kind of helpful to remember where you are. All right, let's do one other thing. Let's do a quick... History of the world. I don't know if we have time for that. I don't know if we have enough chalk for that. We can do it. Because it's going to make more sense. All right. So we start with the creation. Oh, this is the history of the world. Who gave with the chalk? Okay. History of the world. God creates a good world. And then what happens? It works out well, right? What happens? The fall. Thanks the fall okay this fall and uh and an exile right an exile from this garden this perfect garden okay this perfect garden where god is and where we are and everything's good and then there's this fall and we're exiled from the garden right additionally there are a couple of these stories where it talks about people and then we get to this place that's called babel babel and it's kind of the worst case scenario right People join together, and it's bad news, and God has to get rid of that. He says, okay, I got a new plan. I'm going to work through a family now. Work for a family. Who's this family that he starts to work with? Do you remember? Jared. Tell me again. The Jaredites. Okay, one of the families, good. Abraham. Very good. The other family that I was thinking of, thanks. Um, yeah, so you're going to say Jared, he's going to work with a remnant. They're gone. And then he's going to work with Abraham. And one of the important things we have to remember are these covenants that he makes with Abraham, right? What's a covenant? Remind me. Two-way promise. Uh, sorry? Two-way promise. Two-way promise. Two-way promise. What else? A contract. 
A contract. Good. Those are both A's. Kevin, Sister Jolly, and good work. Lisa, maybe. Thank you. She's my plant, right? You know, as a twin, right? This is your chance. Don't stare. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, what? I've never seen her. A couple of you have talked to her at Five Guys, and she's like, hey, the mill say hi. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right. So they make this promise, and he says that what's one of the promises that is made in this two way promise? But what's one of the promises that the Lord makes to Abraham? Can you think of any part of it? This is like, oh, this is hard. I didn't know we were in Old Testament all year. Endless seed. Endless seed. All right, so let's say one of the, the P's, posterity. I'm going to make P's because it's easier for me to remember. Posterity. What else? Good job. Prom what? Property. Yeah, property. I was just say a place to put it. Property is more clever, but. Blessing to the world. Ah, blessing to the world that it's all nations. All nations will be blessed. You guys know another word for nations in the gospel, in the scriptures? Another word that's used. They interchange them all the time. Nations and? Gentiles. That's right, whoever said that, me. Okay. <laughs> you know, this is going to burn my arm out. Okay. So the Hebrew word is Gentiles, but it really means just the nations. Right? So if you're not part of Judah, you're not part of Israel, you're the other guys, which is everybody else. So you're the nations. Sometimes it's easier to read it as nations, but great job, um, Doug, that all nations are going to be blessed. All nations are going to be blessed. And then we go through that story and we say, okay. Now along that story um, comes this same family. You know the story of this family. And then, you know, how do they work out? They're all super good, right? Abraham tries to sell his wife, Canal, um, Jacob, uh, Isaac, right? Gives the birthright to the wrong kid. Uh, uh, Jacob steals the birthright. Um, Joseph, a jerk that they try to kill, right? Because he's such a snoot. Okay, so they're not all that great. Um, but at one point they say there's gonna be, there's another covenant that comes along that says there's gonna be a king. And it's gonna be in a certain family. Do you guys remember? Uh, whose family the king is going to come from? Judah. Judah, very good. That's excellent work. See, you know the history of the world. So this king, and this king, this is my king crown. This king, 2 Samuel 7. Um, Abraham to Genesis 12, okay? I wrote that down so you don't have to. I just wanted to show you. I looked it up and it was impressive. <laughs> you don't even know. I'd be like, 1 Samuel, I don't know. But it is, that's right. So there's this other, that a king is going to come, and this king is going to bring justice, all right? He's going to bring justice. What's justice? Do you guys know? It's said a lot in the scriptures. It's the same word as righteousness. If you bring justice, you are righteous. So we always say that. Oh, it's very righteous. What is it? What's justice? What kind of things does it look like if you bring justice? Do you guys know? You know the word. You say it all the time. Um, uh, Zedekah, Zedekah, right? Zedek. The king of righteousness, this guy that's coming, it's going to be this king of justice, this king of righteousness. His name is, king is Melech, and righteousness is Zedek, Melchizedek. King of righteousness. What? That didn't just, that, how did she do that? Let's do it again. 
Justice is what? Zedeka, or Zedek, plural, or, or singular, and then Melek. My niece can approve my wrong spelling. Melek is king, king of righteousness. Melchizedek, right? So the priesthood that you're practicing is one of justice and righteousness, right? You are the kings of righteousness. So I guess you better figure out what righteousness is. What is righteous? What's justice? Yeah, done. So one, one meaning of justice to me is being reconciled with the Lord. Ah. Or reconciled with the law. Yeah, I think you're I think that's a big part of it. That you're gonna say I'm gonna be right, right with the Lord, right? Um, another thing that you hear a lot about, and we'll see it over and over again in Isaiah, is that if you're bringing justice, it's you're helping out the poor and the widow and the, oh, this can't be right, immigrant. Oh, that is packed. I hope we talk politics. It's talking about the people that are marginalized in our society. And the Lord's saying, hey, in my society, we will look out for the people that are marginalized. We look out for the people that have trouble. We bring them up. We help them. That's our job. That's justice, right? We're bringing justice to the poor. We're releasing those in prison. We're helping the poor and the widow and the immigrant, those that are disenfranchised, those that have less, right? That's, that is what justice is, okay? And that's what brings righteousness. So you're gonna see that over and over again. You're gonna see that there's this king that's going to come, right? All the nations are going to be blessed. And there's a third one I want to make sure we know in this history of the world. What did I put on your sheet? Three covenants. Ah, La Moses. Yeah, even way back here in Moses, they said, um, Exodus 19, we said that we're going to make a special nation. And this special nation is going to be a kingdom of priests, right, and priestesses. Everyone can approach God, right? Everyone can be right with God. This kingdom of priests, a peculiar people. How do the people do in the Old Testament? They do a really good job or bad job with the doing well? They mostly do a bad job. <laughs> they mostly do a bad I mean, I don't know if you've read it, but it, there's a fair amount of death and murder and killing and idolatry and... Well, I don't know more spoilers. It's, <laughs> read it. It's, it's good stuff. But you'll see bright moments of greatness, but for the most part, right, they don't do it. And that's the point at which we catch ourselves, okay? So in this, kingdom has been formed, and then there's this, there the, you know, here's my very great drawing of Israel. Oh, wrong way. Sea of Galilee, Dead Sea, Jerusalem, right? That's I, to scale. It's to scale. Okay. If this is Jerusalem, what's this kingdom in the south called? Because it splits. Judah. Judah. Judah, good. Judah. What's the kingdom in the north? Israel. Israel. Um, what's the tribe in the north that's the most prominent? You guys remember? Starts with an E and ends in the Ephraim. Ephraim. Uh, I have a... I have a I a uh, cousin-in-law named uh, Ephraim. Such a good name. Okay, he's a jerk too. Okay. Um, <laughs> so Ephraim, who, who here is from the tribe of Ephraim? 
Okay, so don't forget that. So they're the ones that are in charge up here. Judah's the one that's in charge down here. Um, and so sometimes they'll use these interchangeably. The reason we're going through this is because when you read through Isaiah, you've got to remember all this because you're like, hey, we just lived it. So it shouldn't be surprising. Now I put some of it on the back page with the timeline in case you forget. Or if you're looking up names and you're like, I can't remember who that is, that's where they are. Now there are a number of kings up here, a number of kings down here. There are two big kingdoms that are going to be the players. The first one's Assyria. Anybody know what the capital of Assyria is? No, that is the capital of Babylon. But close. Uh, Nineveh, yeah. Very good, good, you guys, this is good. You're doing really well. No, you really are, this is messy stuff. Nineveh, do you, get, do you remember a prophet that's supposed to go to Nineveh? Jonah. Wow, that was actually like A work from all of you. Yeah, Jonah, and you can see why I didn't want to go there. It's like, you know, being from BYU, I'm getting called to the Ute mission. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I hate those guys, you know? Um, uh, and he's a jerk, by the way. If you haven't read the story, it's a satire. I won't ruin it for you. But um, Babylon and, and Assyria, and Assyria's going to come in, and in the course of three big attacks, they take the northern kingdom, and they're going to leave. Now, these prophets start showing up. So we said Jonah. What's the one we're studying today? Isaiah. Isaiah. Anybody know what Isaiah's name means? The Lord is my salvation. Woo! Good reading. <laughs> you know, these are open book tests, right? I expect, I expect to get... When you told us that. You know, it's not even on there. So Chris, that's just like an A+. Yeah. And, and she did her homework, so that's a second A. Yeah. So... Isaiah comes along, and he comes along in around 720. In 722, this last attack happens. You don't have to remember that, but um, um, 68. 68. So it's, so it's in two years, they're gone. So this whole northern kingdom is going to be taken out by Assyria. And they're just leveled. The people are taken away. Off they go. So these, there are ten tribes up here. So now we call them the something ten tribes. So what are they? Lost. 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 Okay. You got it. Now in the south, there are a couple important kings. Um, he's going to start us off and he's going to say, I talked about the time that I lived, and um, the, it's going to be right during four different kings. And the biggest one we're going to read about is Hezekiah. They all end in like Aya. So if you're not sure who that is, you're like, that must be a king. So, so you're going to hear about him a lot. But don't get too caught up in that because we're not going to read those sections very much. Okay? So <coughs> world history. So okay, we've done world history. We've gone over a few of the covenants. What were the covenants we had to remember? Abrahamic covenant, and what was the important part of that? Who was going to be blessed through Abraham? All the who? Gentiles. Good, thank you. All the Gentiles who are also called all the nations. All the nations are going to be blessed. Well, if everyone's here, how are the nations going to be blessed? Oh, don't, oh, this is a spoiler. Don't tell anyone. It's so exciting. Okay. And then the second one is that uh, we did was that this whole kingdom is going to be a special kingdom, right? This kingdom is going to be a peculiar pe people, a nation of priests and priestesses, right? So they have to have a temple. Let's put a big T. I have to have a temple. Good. 
All right, and the third one, that this king is going to come, this king that is going to bring righteousness and make it just and right and fair and work it out, all those injustices and tyranny that we've been experiencing will finally be put to rest. This is good news. And then what happens? They get destroyed, okay? So you're like, okay. So right at the beginning of this, when we read the book of Isaiah, this is about to happen 150 years later. Babylon is going to take over Jerusalem, okay? So this second half, the second half that starts on 40, is going to take place in this timeline, and the first part's going to take place in this time. So the first two boxes we talked about. Everybody good? Oh, stretch. <laughs> okay, should we read a scripture or two and find out how it happens? Let's do it. Now let me tell you another secret that I learned reading this. Um, uh, I... I I'm reading uh, Isaiah in a couple of different translations. Oh, that's probably not even true. You're gonna have to talk to the bishop. Um, he's right here. And, uh, and they actually teach a couple different versions at BYU, so you're okay. But I find that um, the King James Version is like reading Shakespeare. Have you guys read Shakespeare? And it's like, ah, oh, so clear, right? I love it. Have you found that with, it, it, no, it's terrible, exactly. You're like, I don't really get it, and I'm supposed to, and I laugh, and I go, yeah. I hope the Shakespeare Festival has subtitles. <laughs> it sounds like English, but I don't know what they're saying. King James Version is written in that same kind of English, so it's a little bit hard. So I like the NRSV, New Revised Standard, and I'm reading today the ESV, the English um, st uh, Standard Version. So it's just a different translation from the Hebrew or the Greek. And so it's a little bit easier to understand. So let's go ahead, open your scriptures. Let's jump into Isaiah 1. That's all we're going to read today. And uh, see if we can make sense of what's going on in this story. Okay. I am going to read the ESV. So if you get confused and it's not true, I don't want to hear about it. Okay. Um, the other, well, one other thing. One other thing I want to tell you. In your scriptures, the way they're laid out, you can't tell. But in these other translations, you can see, see how first one is like a paragraph, and then the others? Uh, most of Isaiah is in poetry, and it's not written like poetry um, in King James, just because of the verse form. But what's really nice in these other versions is someone's broken it down like that. And so they can see it in Hebrew, and it's hard to see in English. So in here, um, it breaks it down, so I'm like, oh, it's a poem. Oh, no wonder I don't understand it. Um, so, yeah, I love poetry. Okay, but I, I love this Isaiah poetry. It's so good. So, so just know it's weird English. It's in a poem in another language, 3,500 years old. Okay, so the, it starts out, the first chapter one is pretty much a synopsis of the entire 66 chapters of Isaiah. Let me repeat that. Chapter one is a synopsis of the entire book of Isaiah. Yeah, it is the Cliff Notes version. So if you get chapter one, you'll get the rest. They're just going to add more layers and get more details as we go along. But chapter one kind of gives you the outline, okay? All right. Um, so in actual fact, that would be the introduction. Yeah, it's a very good introduction, yeah. In fact, Nephi doesn't have it. Nephi starts in chapter two. Well, he doesn't start with chapter, he starts in chapter like 53, but he doesn't have chapter one quoted anywhere. So it may have been an introduction added later because maybe it was hard for them too. Wow. All right, the first thing, the vision. This is Isaiah. The vision of Isaiah, son of Amoz, when he, uh, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah and Jotham and 
Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. This is his vision over these four kingdom kings that he lived through. Okay, great. And here's kind of how it goes. It's kind of a courtroom scene. Okay, it's kind of a courtroom scene. This was Lori's interpretation. It's probably wrong. It's right. Okay. And the first, the little guy comes out, and he has his little trumpet, and he's like, doo -doo, this is the story. And then he comes down, and then it says, okay, the first, hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. And then it's set. The Lord is on this judgment seat, and you're going to have Judah here in a second, and he's beaten up, and he's sitting over here. And then you've got this prosecuting attorney. So he says, give here. And then you've got heaven and earth sitting over here, his witnesses. Give ear, uh, heavens and earth, for the Lord has spoken. And here's the Lord, and this is what he says, verse 3. Children have I reared, brought up, or have I reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know my people do not understand. Did you catch it? Donkey something, what? I have brought children, and even the ox knows who its owner. Is the ox a very smart animal? Super stupid, right? Very strong, but not very smart. How about the donkey, known for its wisdom? <laughs> but even the donkey knows where it lives and who its master is. The ox knows, and the donkey knows, but Israel does not know, and my people do not understand. Oh, this is going badly. Oh, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers. This is just building up children who deal corruptly. corruptly. They have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged. What word do you have there in the end of four? Last word. They're utterly what? What? They've gone away backward? Yes. Yeah. So how do they, are they close to the Lord? They're completely backward, right? They have just, what, what has happened? Actually, they use the word yet provoked, which we interpret as maybe angry. Yeah, yeah, that, that is a good word, right? Ugh, like you can just feel, I mean, you can almost feel it. I'm not doing a good angry God right now, but it's very angry. Why will you still be struck down? Why will you continue to rebel? And then we look over and there's Judah and he's beaten up and it says his whole head is sick, his whole heart faint, his very inside. From the sole of his foot even to his head, there's no soundness in it, there but bruises and sores and raw wounds and they are not pressed or bound up or softened with oil. He doesn't even have a band-aid. He's so beaten up. How many times do I have to spank this kid before he's gonna get it? He's like, I don't know, right? Exactly, right? So this Judah and Joseph, they're so beaten up, they're not learning the lesson, right? They've left the Lord, and yet, they don't, they're not even trying, right? Your country, how bad does it get? Your country lies desolate. Your cities are burned with fire, in your very presence, foreigners devour your land. Um, it is desolate, is overthrown by foreigners. Uh, and the daughter of Zion is left like a booth in a vineyard and a lodge in a cucumber field. <laughs> Such a good image. What? Yeah. Have, you ever, have you ever gleaned a field and you're like, it's super hot, so you just put up like a tiny little tent out there, a little hut? That's what they would do, right? And so when you go through the field, it's just completely gone through. 
Have you ever seen anybody do it? I have no agricultural background whatsoever. <laughs> it's like when you go to a Christmas sale and everything's gone except for a few tingly uh, labels and you're like, nothing's left. That's the hut in a cucumber field. After you've harvested the cucumber of the field, there's just this little lean-to, the only thing that was left, no plants left, because it was, that's their image. Remember, it's a poem. So if there's daughter of Zion is left, so the city's just nothing, nothing's left over, it's just been scavenged. It says, um, and then again, this remnant says, if a Lord of hosts had not left us a few survivors, we'd have been as bad as Sodom. We'd have been like Gomorrah. We're this close to being completely destroyed like Sodom and Gomorrah if we didn't just have a few people left over. Yes? I'm just loving the imagery here as it applies personally. Oh. Um, this doesn't apply personally, though, does it? Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to liken the scripture. Okay, all right. So, yeah, because when we... Uh, when we sin, when the scriptures say we're left unto ourselves to kick against the bricks, this is an amazing description. Mm -hmm. Why are we stricken more? Yeah. How desolate you are left spiritually when you need the Lord of Christ. So I think it's very personal. Well, then how many signs do you need? How is it going well for you? No. <laughs> Will you come back? Your whole head is sick. No. Your heart is faint. Yeah, your head is sick, your heart is faint, nothing's left, yeah. your city's stripped down. When will you turn back? How much chastisement do we need? He's like, obviously more, right? I'm, the Lord's like, I'm so, I don't know what else to do with you guys, right? I don't know what else to do. Good point, are we ever like that? We're ever like, well, I think I need more chastisement. <laughs> I'm just gonna push the boundaries as much as I can. I think it's a good reason why it's there for us, why it was included in the record for us. Yeah. Yeah, and I. It's so easy to say, oh, those people back then were really blowing up. Yeah, and, yeah, I, had, I remember once I was like, boy, they, the Lord didn't have a lot to work with back then. And I'm like, yeah, back then. <laughs> those idiots. Yeah, and you're like, anyway, what are we doing later today? <laughs> yeah, okay. So he says, hear and give word, oh, you rulers of Sodom, right? You're so bad. Give ear to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What is. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices? I've had enough of the burnt offering of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or lambs or goats. When you appear before me, who has required you this trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. He even says they... I hide my eyes. What is he saying here? Do you guys get the illusion? What's, what's the religious practice like then? They go to Sunday school, right? No, where do they go? The temple. And what do they do there? What's the main transaction? What was it? Sacrifice. Animal sacrifice, right? Animal sacrifice, grain sacrifice, peace offering. Worshiping their idols. <laughs> yeah, or worshiping their idols. They, would, they, they were very good at that too. So they come and they say, quit bringing me your sacrifices, and then turning around and going home and being unjust and full of iniquity, they don't mean anything, right? They're empty. I don't want to see another sacrifice if you're not gonna change here, right? How would, how would we word that? What are we talking about here? Oh, yeah, exactly, hypocrites, right? Well, but I go to church but then I'm really mean to the people at work. 
I flipped off that guy when I turned in that harmless. I'm not talking about myself. <laughs> so I saw someone else do it, and it said I'm LDS on the back. Actually, it said I'm a member of the Restored Church of Jesus Christ. The bumper sticker changed. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to fit it on. Um, but do we ever do that? Do we ever say, Hey, I, I come to church and I do those things, but then I haven't really changed inside? Yes. Uh huh. Uh huh. That was like an epiphany from. Yeah. Of course we do, right? We do this exact thing all the time, right? We do this exact thing all the time. We maybe come to church or we do things and we're like, yeah, but I'm not that bad, right? I haven't really changed inside. I don't really have to be nice to everyone, not like BYU fans. I mean, he doesn't, surely he doesn't mean that. Surely he doesn't mean the people that I don't like. I don't have to be nice to them. I don't have to be nice to immigrants. They're bad. He doesn't mean that. He doesn't mean like, the single girls in the ward. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be nice to them. They're very disenfranchised with their bikes and boats. and uh, Very sad, very sad. He says, don't, don't go to the temple. Don't go to the temple and then be mean to your neighbor. He's sick of it. He's not saying I'm ending sacrifice. He's not saying I'm ending temple worship. He's saying, if you're not going to change inside, don't so what's the feeling we get? How is how's Jerusalem doing on a score of 1 to 10, 1 being the worst and 10 being the very best? So far, how's it, how are they doing? Negative 4 million. Right? Yeah, they're like, there's not one good thing. That's right. That's right. Okay. Um, I did love, I, I, uh, they've become a burden. I am weary of bearing them when you spread your hands, which is interesting, prayer, prayers with their hands spread. Right? Uh, I will hide my eyes. Yeah, how bad must it have been for the Lord to be reprimanding? How bad must it have been? Because, uh, I mean, he's pretty tolerant of he, me. And yeah, he seems to be super liberal, right? I mean, not like liberal and Democrat, but he seems... I don't want you to get worried. I'm not political at all, but I'm just saying he's, he seems super, like, kind and always willing. Like, my arms are stretched out. Please come back. We'll take you back. I don't care what you've done. Please try. Just try a little bit. Just try some. Swear just once a week. Um, Rockstar's okay. You know, whatever you want. I'll even make church two hours. <laughs> just, just come, just come sometimes, right? Just come sometimes, right? I, I might have paraphrased that last part. But how bad were they? And uh, and we're saying that's that is that's where we are, right? That's where we are. Um, and then he goes on and he says, um, I'm going to jump down to 16. Wash yourselves. Like how? Okay, so how do we make it right? How do we make it right? Verse 16. Somebody read uh, for me. I've, I've done a lot of reading. Um, 16. I want to do 16 through 20. It's not terribly long. Does somebody have that? Even in the King James Version, it's still true. 16 through 20. Patty. Wash you. Make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Come now, I love this verse. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. But if ye refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with the sword. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken. 
thanks. So it's all this like, oh, we've just blown it and blown it. And then what the Lord gives us a little bit of this hope. Remember the other half, the first half is judgment and the second half is hope and redemption. And this hope is, um, what was it? Wash yourselves. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm reading my version. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean. What, what, what is that? What? Yeah. Go to the temple. Go to the temple, repent. Okay, I was thinking bathing, but I like where you're going with it. I think that's probably right. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Stop it. Right. So perhaps take the sacrament a little bit oh, more serious. I like, you know what? I hadn't thought of that. Take the sacrament a little more seriously. I like that. Write that on your scriptures. That's scripture. All right. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Mine says seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless and the widow's cause. Right? Remember those people, your ministering assignments. Right? Help each other. How do you, it's, boy, this sounds terrible. How am I ever getting out of this? Do your ministering. Oh, not that. I was hoping for something harder. Right? Repent. And then I love this. Come now. Let us reason together. Though your sins are scarlet, they shall be white as snow. And although they're red like crimson, they shall become like wool if you are what and what? What does it say there? And you just have to try and do it. Right? There's redemption for all of us. Now, I don't want to spoil the end. But you remember that part about a king coming? He's going to be the one that's going to help us. And so the, the latter half, we're going to see, is going to say, hey, there's this judgment, but how do we become... Uh, reason with the Lord, and how do we come back to Him? And there's going to be this key player. Yeah. What I love about this is the Lord's always extending the hand of mercy. Always. Always. Until, and He does it for hundreds of years sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Until it's just. There's just hope. There's hope. And it's all things we can do. Yeah. Even when we're really not doing the right thing, He just extends that hand. Says, Come now, let us reason together. Oh, your sins be scarlet, right? Uh, brothers and sisters, the gospel is true. Thank you for letting me uh, delve into Isaiah. Hopefully, the taste of cilantro is becoming delicious to you. And uh, we'll pick we'll pick this up next week. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, Amen. 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 Comments, other questions, humorous anecdotes. All right.